Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Relationships, very important word, because it's safe to say that our lives, our jobs, our businesses, our families, our marriages, our interactions with the people we say we care about are all built around relationships. Social media is all about relationships, whether they are superficial or you've developed more of an engagement with your community. At the end of the day, relationships are important. As I'm mentoring middle managers and talking to entrepreneurs, I always make the point that it's important to build and maintain solid relationships. I also let them know that their relationships are their capital. It's their real estate. As an extension, where social media helps facilitate relationships or maintain them or sustain them, that is your capital because you've put in the energy to build the rapport and eventually the relationship. So... My social media community is my social capital. I want you to think about it that way for just a bit because I'm going to bring on someone who is the king of return on relationships. He is one of the major voices in marketing, especially social media marketing. His name is Ted Rubin. I met Ted at a speaking event where I was actually filling in for one of my leaders. And ever since then, we've been friends. Why? Because Ted is all about relationships. He's going to bring you some good advice today on personal branding and how to leverage your brand and your brand capital the right way for you as well as for your company, and to do it in a way that's balanced. I have to tell you, though, Ted had a lot to say about this topic, and I wanted him to unleash. He's uncut on YouTube, so be sure to check out the video that I post on YouTube of this conversation. It has bonus content because we went much longer than 40 minutes. In fact, we lost track of time. Everyone, Ted Rubin. I'm 
go grab a cocktail. Oh, please do. So, excuse me for one moment, yes. and I'll be right back. Okay. okay. All right. I'm ready. What you got? I've got a little scotch on the rocks. Okay. All right, then. I don't know if you can see it in my R&R glass. Oh, yes. Hashtag return relationship. That was, a gift. that was a gift from a friend. So, And now I buy them and give them to other people. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone, I have Ted Rubin with me. He's a friend of mine, and he is one of the foremost voices in the industry of marketing. He is the chief marketing officer at Photify, and he is the host at the Brand Innovator Summit that you've heard me talk about, and many of you have actually attended Ted, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, Michelle, but I want to correct something. I'm a fan. I'm not just a friend. Oh. I am a I am a fan of, of you and what you do. I'm thrilled to be here. And I mean, all day today, all I was thinking about was that I get to talk to Michelle tonight. Oh, Ted, you're a sweetheart. Thank you so much. And he's so smart, everybody. And hopefully today you'll get a taste of that the Ted that I have come to know through Brand Innovators. And I think I've spoken with you guys, um, especially across uh, 2017, at least seven, eight times, maybe more than that. I don't even know. I lost count. Uh, it's so much that I hear you in my head all the time. So cheers <laughs> to being here. I hope everyone will pick up a cocktail. Cheers. And enjoy. Oh, that would be awesome. Okay, everybody get a drink because this is going to be a good conversation. And you know, and I've spoken to Ted about this, Every time we start a show, we start with a culture soup moment because I say that social media is culture soup. So, Ted, one of the things that I see on social media all the time, especially recently, because technology and social media is enabling it, more people are concerned about their own personal brands. And that means that they're looking for ways to stand out as thought leaders and position themselves very well so that their current employers, maybe future employers, will see them as viable, creative, thoughtful, uh, worthwhile employees. And one thing that I've heard is that it's a way to weather the storm if layoffs happen or the unexpected happens. But it's also a great way to... Um, raise your profile in your own company. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. I think it's also a lot about raising your profile in your own head. Mm. Um, because, you know, a lot of us are afraid to do things. And you have an opportunity here now to express your opinions, to share your writing, to have other people. Like, I like to say that, you know, nobody, when I, nobody has edited my content until I put it up. Mm -hmm. And then, then they help me edit it. And I'm, I'm not talking about grammatical editing or right. that kind of thing. I'm talking about like, like the way I use social. And by the way, for your audience, I tend to go off on tangents a little bit. So bear with me. Let we me go. We like that though. Go Ted. <laughs> but what, what, what I, like I use some different social media in different ways. For instance, Twitter is my total test ground. Now, that doesn't mean I don't, I don't put finished content there. But if I have a, a new thought or something I'm thinking about or something I'm writing, I very often put those thoughts out on Twitter because I get immediate feedback. I mean, I like mm. to say that I used to keep a pen, pen and paper by my bed the way a lot of us did, like to write notes of things you think about in the middle of the night. 
I, I don't do that anymore. I don't even write notes on my phone. I tweet out those those thoughts. Oh wow! Because then, because then by the time I wake up, I've got a, I've got feedback. Yes, did, you did. did people think something of it? Did did should I correct it some way? And then I even use it, especially when I'm talking about controversial topics. And I don't necessarily mean politics when I talk controversial. Controversial can be a new outlook to marketing. Controversial can be about fitness or something I'm thinking. But what I'll do, like I'll give an example. Um, uh, I was on a plane and I was recently, I'm, 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 I've been a vegan for the last two years and I've been thinking a lot more about health and fitness, even more so than I always did. And I was just watching all these people stuffing Coca-Colas and Doritos and all this crap into their mouth. Wow. And, and really, the thought was not a terrible negative thought. But when I would first write it, it kind of came out like, oh, my God, look at all these people. All they do is complain about their weight and their fitness, and they're sitting here shoveling all this crap into their mouth. And something like that, if you put it on Facebook, it, it's, it's very static. It's there. People, you know, read it, and if they're critical of it, and people were very critical of what I wrote is the point I'm making. And understandably, they, they, they called me out a little bit on the way I expressed it, that it sounded very judgmental, that it sounded like I was calling out people that have weight problems. And it gave me the chance to modify it. Mm -hmm. So then I came back, and, and by the way, I didn't delete the tweet. I came in and I tweeted it again. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit more refined. By the time it got to Facebook or, or another platform like LinkedIn, where it was more of a statement and it was more refined because of the editing process that my audience allowed me to have. So that's a great and, concept. And, You're talking about, yeah, using your community as almost a focus group. Yeah, exactly. And I use, and then, of course, if you follow me, you know a lot of what I do, very often those things become blog posts. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it gives me the opportunity to, you know, Twitter is very fluid. Yes, you write a tweet, it never goes away, and even if you delete it, if somebody shared it, it's still there. But people don't really go back very often and look at old tweets unless they're mm -hmm. trying to search something or call you out on something. Something like this, it passes very quickly, and it allows you that opportunity to refine your thinking. And, it, and like, return on relationships started as a – I was in the office with, at Elf Cosmetics with the founders who were getting very annoyed that I wouldn't allow them to try to sell stuff on social media. Remember, this was 2008. Oh, okay. I had one of the largest social presence for a cosmetic company. Why? Because everybody else was afraid to use it, you know, all the big firms. And, but they were looking at me going, so when are we going to be able to like, put coupon codes? And, and I, I looked at them like, we, we need to see some ROI, even though it was mostly my time and a few interns. And I looked at them, and I, this thought had been going through my head, and I just kind of came out with it. And I said, guys, it's not just about return on investment. It's about return on relationship. And these two, like, old-school money guys just sat there and started staring at me. And, and it kind of stopped them in their tracks. And they're like, hmm, return hmm. of relationship. Uh, we want to hear more about that. And I'm going, uh-oh, like, I just came up with it. And, <laughs> and, and luckily, luckily, they said, we have another meeting, like, in, in a couple of minutes. So can we get back together, like, tomorrow or the next day and talk about this? So I immediately went out and I tweeted it. I said, it's not just about return on investment, it's about return on relationship. And I had 2,000 followers then, which was considered substantial. And within, yes. <laughs> within, within 20 minutes, I had like 20 retweets. Wow. And, 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 and then 
little by little, like people say, well, what does that mean? I'd, ha- I'd have to think about it. And I started writing it. And then, and then people I knew, like you or somebody else, I, I got a lot of people reaching out to me going, hey, I love that idea. Can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. And, and they helped me kind of hash this thing out mm-hmm. to the point where I was using this for a few years before I even wrote the book because people kept saying, oh, you got to write the book. And I'm like, oh, really? I got to write the book? Like, I'm tweeting about it. Isn't that enough? <laughs> And then, thank God, Kaplan Rose came around who said, you're writing the book, and I'm going to co-author it with you, and I'm going to get your publisher, and I'm going to build the outline, and all you have to do is just tell me what you're thinking. Wow. Catherine Rose, because I wouldn't have had my first book if it wasn't for her. But the, the point I'm making is, back to your point, is that social media gives everybody the opportunity to, to sit Think about who they are to write things they're thinking. Sometimes when you use the word personal brand or, you know, words are very important. We all know that, right? I mean, especially in today's political environment. And, 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 and I mean, like I always try to say, don't say gun control. Say gun responsibility. It, it just rings different in people's heads, and there are a lot of things like this. So a lot of times now what I see is if you say personal brand, people get, oh, like I, I'm not trying to build a brand. Mm-hmm. No. Trying to make yourself more sellable, more so more, more people know who you are, to build some awareness around your capabilities. I mean, t- just today I was talking to a friend, and she's always had jobs since she graduated from grad school. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time in her life where she's out of work. Mm-hmm. And she's never had to really look for a job. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, she's like, well, what can I do beyond just sending out resumes? And, and I, I'm, well, that could be the topic for a whole other show. Sure, absolutely. But... But I started giving her advice, and the point I'm making is that I say this to people all the time, and I look at audiences of young people or people at brandonary events, and I go, you know, you're all so cocky now because you got jobs, and you probably had one job after another, but guess what? You're not going to have a job one day. You're Mm going to get fired, or you're going to get laid off, or something's going to happen because the average employee is only employed for three years now. That means you have 15 jobs. And, you know, right now, you're not, like, I I get this all the time. You ever get these emails, Michelle? They say, oh, Ted, how you doing? Listen, I know I haven't responded to your emails or your texts over the last year, but I've been very busy, and I've had a very important job. Oh, yeah, you're very important. By the way, I'm looking for something new now, and um, could you open up your whole network to me and spare half an hour to pick your brain? But you know (laughs) what? If it, you don't want to call it personal branding, call it relationship building, call it letting people know what your skills are. I tell students all the time, yeah. all that content you're paying $60,000 a year to write. Right. And why? Well, you know what? Somebody asked me, you know, when I put my website up, which actually launched in September, and I actually started to be even more methodical about my brand and my positioning they assumed that I was trying to be some kind of social media influencer or a blogger or something like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Something, right? Well, yeah, like, no. The whole deal is that I'm trying to communicate to my public and my specific audiences exactly who I am. Because for the past five, six years, people have known me as that woman from AT&T that talks about diversity. When there's 26 years of experience there, where there are some folks that know about that, a lot of people do, but I needed to package it in a way so that everybody would know the whole of L. Michelle Smith. And more than that, so people can find it. Yes. Part of this conversation today was, how do I differentiate myself from every other, like, this is what she said to me. She goes, if I get in front of somebody, I will close, like, they will hire me. Mm -hmm. But how do I get my, my resume that looks like everybody else's? you know, past that person. Right. Well, 
important way, one important way to do that is if you are lucky enough to get their attention, the first thing they're going to do, the first thing every recruiter does is they're going to Google you. Google. <laughs> they're going to go to LinkedIn. They're going to yes. go to Facebook. They're going to see what is your footprint out there. And if you have content out there, if you, now, if you have information out there about who you are as a person, what you believe in, or just let's make it really simple, just samples of your writing. Yes. Just some of the stuff that you put together, some of the things you worked on in your last job, but not like, oh, I managed to move 18 T's needle. No, but right. actually work you did that comes out in blog posts and podcasts. You know, be, be open. Also, you get things like this. You get asked to be on people's podcasts. Like, right. So that, so that you, I take all, by the way, I take all this stuff. Like if you give me the embed code after mm-hmm. you publish it, I will put it on my blog. Because awesome. I don't want people to just have to find it. On your thing. And then I tell yes. all these people, how could you not have your own blog? Right. How could you not? And this is why. Look, I'm a big believer. I publish on LinkedIn. I publish on Medium. I have all these things. But the only one I own is TedRubin.com. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow Zuckerberg gets home and says, you know what, honey? I've had enough of this. I'm just shutting down Facebook. We don't need any more yes. money. We lose everything. everything. So totally. if you don't keep that stuff in another place, where people can access it, then you're subject to, well, what if he just says, you know what, I'm going to make people pay for this. You know what, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you said that, Ted, because in my first letter that I wrote to my followers about my website, that was core to my, I guess is an argument, because you know, enough people out there that don't think you should do that, or wow, you just, you know, you're doing too much. No, I'm not. The problem was, I was writing all of my writings on LinkedIn before they published onto Black Enterprise. Let's right. say, okay, Black Enterprise could go out of business. Who knows, right? We don't want them to. LinkedIn could get bought, sold, whatever, chopped up into bits and become, you know, Linkstagram and, you know, Snaplink or something. You never know. And your content goes up in smoke. Do you agree that social media should really be the trailer to the movie? Meaning that the movie should be tedrubin.com no, or elmichellesmith.com or what? I understand your point. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not the trailer because there's more there, mm-hmm. but it should be the lead in, the place that leads yes. you to something else, a place that someone says, oh my God, he has tedrubin.com. Because, I mean, I publish all my blog posts, get put on, on, on Facebook for a reason. Because right. I want people to know that exists, but also because of the, of, of the, of the SEO juice and everything else. Mm-hmm. When people, right, right now, it's gotten to the point where if someone um, Googles Ted Rubin, I'm the first 20 pages. Yes. I mean, it, 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 they, they can barely get by it. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and that's not an ego thing. That's a, you know, Security. sometimes people say, <laughs> right, sometimes people say to me, like, oh, my God, I, I got to run. How can I find you? Just go to Google. Yeah. I mean, and, and then I also tell people, make yourself available. Like, my phone number, my email address, it's all on all my stuff. So you go to Facebook, you go to LinkedIn, any of these, you can find how to contact me. Right. Well, I mean, why hide it? I, you know, and, and then this whole thing. So here's another great one. I, I, I was at uh, a brand innovators just the other day, and uh, you might know this, but well, might not. But before every brand innovators, what I do is I go to LinkedIn and I pull up the photo of every person that's going to be speaking, so I can mm-hmm. easily find the audience. Because truth be told, brand, brand innovators does a really poor job of, of prepping people to find me and yeah. to find them. And it, it so I. I go to LinkedIn, and I got to tell you that every time at every conference, there's at least two or three people who I can't get their picture. 
because I'm not connected to them. So my, their photo's not available. Right. And then I'll, I mean, this happened just at the last one. And, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't say who he was, but mm-hmm. I called him out. He was in the audience. But I go up to this guy and I said, oh, thank, that's you. I said, dude, why is your photo not available on LinkedIn? He goes, yeah, it's available if you're connected to me. And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm connected to you, I don't care about your picture. Like, but what if I'm an employer looking to hire you? What if I'm looking to partner with you? What about if I'm just looking to locate you because I think that you're a smart guy? Why would you not want me to? Well, I try to keep a low profile. I go, dude, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. I said, stop trying to keep a low profile because you're yeah. not that important. You're just not that right. important. I said, hey, guess yeah. what? You're going to get fired. I guarantee it. You're going to need it. Or you're going to mm-hmm. want to leave because you're going to be pissed off at your boss or you're just going to mm-hmm. want to improve your life or you're just going to be bored. Why yeah. would you want people not to be able to find you? Why would you not want a recruiter to be able to know as much as he can about you if he's looking to fill a role that might be your next step up? Right. Not connected to that recruiter. Like, First of all, you're not protecting your privacy because anybody that's a bad guy that wants to know what you look like, by the way, I got your picture. A tip to parents out there, if -hmm. your kids ever block you from their social channels, everything they post is indexed by Google. It's all there. You can find it by Googling their name or Mm -hmm. the worst case is find out what what their Instagram handle is. And by the way, that's easy. And then all you need is their Instagram handle and you can get access to anything they've ever posted, even if they have... Absolutely. So let's talk, let's talk a minute about this whole keeping a low profile, because what I find is those personality types are typically the ones that will go all out on their social handles for their brand, for their companies, but they're doing very little for themselves. And I, I wrote something about this. It was it was a um, um, an article that I wrote for Black Enterprise, and you were quoted in it. And we talked about how sometimes, if the companies aren't doing it right, especially if the individual isn't doing it right, your personal brand and your employee advocacy can come into conflict with one another. No, do you have an opinion about that? No, well, first of all, I think the dumbest thing brands do is is try to motivate employees to share about their company, but they're not willing to support their, support their employees. So, and, and by the way, this is rampant. There were very, very few companies that are using employee advocacy platforms like Dynamic Signal correctly. Um, absolutely, right. look, they're getting upside, and unfortunately, like every other type of marketing, all they look at is I'm paying this. And I think I'm getting this value, and there's a differentiator between the two, so I'm making margin. Okay, yes. ready to go. Instead of looking at how much, how it could be so much better, it's like any kind of an organization. You know, oh, our store's doing great. Well, maybe it could do better if, you, if your people, your counter smiled at people. I mean, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's little things like that. So what I see happening is most companies, all they do is they, they get an employee advocacy platform, and they go, share our stuff, and here's the app. And we're going to put out all these things, so you, and they are resolving one issue. One issue of the reason a lot of people don't share content about their company is they're worried that it's not approved, that maybe they shouldn't be sharing. Right. Not okay. So that problem is absolutely solved regardless of what you do for them. We put it on the platform. Right. You're free to share it. Okay, but mm-hmm. if, if, there's a couple of things that happen here. First of all, a lot of times people start sharing that stuff. And that's all they're sharing on their profiles. And their followers yes. are like, I'm done. Like, I, Michelle, I don't totally. want 
really give a shit about AT&T. I, I read about it periodically if you post something yeah. interesting. But I want to know what you're doing with that unbelievably gorgeous daughter of yours and, she, and, and <laughs> things you do. And I love your family, and I love when you're speaking places, and I want to hear about your life. And, oh, wow, AT&T's doing a new campaign. That's pretty cool. Like, I don't mind seeing that. Yeah. So what happens is these people just start sharing company information, and their, their followers stop paying attention. And then the exactly. other thing is... All they're doing is, like, sharing stuff from their company. What about if you gave them information about weekend activities for their kids, talk about how to save money with their finances, you know, how to better themselves by going to certain courses? How about giving them content that they can share with their followers that actually is interesting to them? And useful. And useful so that they keep coming, their followers keep coming back. Because, by the way, if their followers stop going to their page, who cares how much they're posting about your company? Yeah, and you know, I've had this conversation with mentees, especially, where I've, I've cornered them. I'm, I'm like, you know, all I see is your company news on right. your Twitter handle. So are there only employees from your company following you? Right. No, 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 no. My sorority members, you know, my classmates, my, my this and my that, my this and my that. I said, don't you think they want to hear more about you? That's why they follow you. And it's right. like a light bulb goes off. Or how about things that are interesting to them yes. what, they, what they can do with their kids how they Absolutely. can save money how they uh, a merchant that's that that's doing a bad thing that you want to alert people to because whatever i mean th that's what builds connection i mean they're right. going to stop coming to those pages you know and and, and then i want to address something else i want to address mm -hmm. this thing that 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 has come about where all these gurus are linkedin is only for business don't oh, yeah. be personal there. You know, please. I won't even say what I'm thinking because, you know, who knows who's listening to this show. Yeah. But first of all, post whatever works for you. So I'll tell you right now that I post a lot on LinkedIn, and what tends to get when I really blow something out of the park is when I write about visiting my daughter and the time I had, or some other thing that's happening in my life that's a true life event, not like, oh, I'm having cocktails. No, I, right. I post those kind of things there. You know, but what I post are things that are important in my life, and I'll tell you why. It's not just because it's something else that people want to hear about. It's because I have followers on LinkedIn that don't follow me anywhere else. They don't follow me on Facebook. They might not follow me on Twitter. So they're not going to know that my mom passed away or mm -hmm. that, that my daughter got accepted at Harvard or uh, that hasn't happened yet, but we're, we're waiting for the. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> this spring, okay? she's, yeah. applying to, she's applying to law school there and we're, we're hopeful. We're going to cross but, our fingers. Yes. But the, the point I'm making is that these are things that they are interested in as long as you don't make a habit. But guess what? Even if you do make a habit of it, the people that follow you like it, God bless. So what? Right. It, it's exactly. your platform. And guess what? You know what the beauty of social media is? It is the ultimate in permission marketing. If you don't like what I'm posting, stop following Opt out. Exactly. And you know what, Ted? You have another... Um, concept that I've quoted in other articles where you talk about the difference between a network and a community. And I think that's really important on your social platforms too, because if you haven't developed a relationship with the people that follow you, it's just a network, but a community will respond differently. And there are reasons why, right? Right. What I like to say is a network gives you reach, but a community gives you power. 
networks connect, but communities care. Yes. And when you and, and I, I always thought I was a networker my whole life. This was the word that was in my head. Ever I went, every company I've, I'm 60 years old. I've been in a lot of companies. I've reinvented myself half a dozen times, and, and everywhere I go, I leave with at least one new relation, one new really strong relationship. And then I introduce, but then I realize that I, all all these people know yes, each other. Because I bring them all together. Mm-hmm. And then I realized what I really recognized a few years ago is that what I really am is a community mm-hmm. builder. All my friends know each other. I mean, I, I'm taking my best friend, my college roommate, who is my best friend since then, um, to Cuba for his 62nd birthday. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bucket list trip of him. Uh, he, he's had some, some health issues. And the, I, I decided I didn't want to just bring him. I thought it would be fun if there was a bunch mm-hmm. of us. And the, the five guys I'm bringing, including him and myself, the other three, are from all different parts of yeah. my life that have all become best friends. Oh, wow. Him. One of them is a kid who's 40, who was a kid when I was 30, <laughs> who lived next door to us when I had an apartment down in Florida and a, and a business down there years ago. Another one is a guy named Joe Soto, who is a retired New York City cop, who is, is the godfather of both my daughters, who I met when I had an investment firm oh, wow. in New York. Oh my God, let's see, uh, 35 years ago. And he was my, I hired him to drive for me at night and he became one of my best friends. And the other one is John Andrews, who of course, you know, my yeah. business partner, who, who in the collective bias and I've been partners with for the last 10 years. All these guys know each other. They're, and they all know the guy that I've known since I was yeah. 18 when I first went to college. And it's a, it's, it's a community. And then when I write about it, there's all these other people that have been a part of that all these years. And like you said, it's, a, it's amazing the power it gives you because when there's a relationship is one thing, and they're great. And I reach out to Michelle, and I say, Michelle, I'm having a little problem. I need you to support me. This post is really important to me. Can you help me? And I know the first words out of your mouth will be like, well, let's call the people from Brandon Abit, like all these people mm-hmm. we've met over the years, because they're going to they're gonna mm-hmm. want to support you if this is and then it leads to something that I've always done is I don't ask for a lot. People all the time say, hey, Ted, you've done something for me. What can I do for you? I go, you're doing it right here just by connecting with me and engaging. But what that also does is when you do finally ask for something, like I rarely, I, I don't think, I, I can't even remember the last time I asked somebody to share something. I put it out. And, and sometimes when people say, what can I do to support you? I go, well, whatever works for you. Like, you know what I do. So, and back, my mom passed away three years ago. And it was the first time in many years I had a hashtag, R.I.P. Bernice, mm. rest in peace, Bernice. And I just, for me, for nobody else, I wanted it yeah. to trend on the day yeah. of her funeral. And oh. it did because I reached out to the community and I said, guys, I, I never asked you for anything, but I'd really appreciate if you could share this That's hashtag awesome. and, and, in honor of my mom. So, you know, these are things that you can do. Um, because you've been out there, you've been building relationships, you've been sharing content. And by the way, some people say to me, well, you know what? I don't really, I'm not a thought leader and I, I don't really come up with a lot of original content. That's not my thing. And some of it that I do is owned by the company I work for. I'm like, well, how about becoming known for sharing yes. great content? You know, you don't have to necessarily create right. that content. You can be that person. That, oh my God, Michelle shares the most amazing content about right. scuba diving. Like, uh, I, and, and, and it's just like 
I go to people for that. I know the people who, who like, when I want to buy a car, I go to my friends that pop, that post all this stuff about cars. I want a new laptop. I call my tech buddies. I mean, you can become known not necessarily for your own original thought, but how about for your own work that you do by reviewing and reading content and sharing right. good stuff? You know what? I have always been networking averse, just based on the classic idea of what networking is, which seems to be very, very superficial go to an eight-minute networking, talk to a bunch of strangers, all of this good stuff. I think that I am, um, I know that I'm, I'm very high-eye introverted, although I'm an extrovert, right? So I sat in a mentor circle for an officer once, and they asked me to talk about networking, and I actually took a reverse stance, which actually talked more about the community that they hadn't really even understood that they'd already built. So we talked right. about start with who you know. Sometimes people don't even think about the people they already know as being a part of their community or a part of their network. Absolutely. The other thing that I mentioned to them was if you're on LinkedIn and you should be, <laughs> make sure Absolutely. even if you haven't written a ton of content, if you are afraid to post, the algorithm is so friendly that if you share content from other places that's useful to your community, just like you said, you'll yeah. get a reputation for good shares. And if you want to go all out, you can go and like somebody else's content and it will show up in your news feed, right? And if you really want to get out there, <laughs> tag somebody on something they shared on your feed and say, what a great share. It shows up on your feed and it shows up on theirs and their light bulbs just went off. I was like, you don't have to write blogs. <laughs> you don't even have to post if you don't want to. This is how you can do it and still be positioned in a great way. A hundred percent. And I'm going to throw out a, mm -hmm. a few more tips for that. So when you comment on other people's co um, yeah. content, you get noticed because you're yes. writing on it. So make a habit of being the first one to comment on no one posts a post, uh, whether they're industry or they're people's personal blog. You know, there's a reason. Most people don't know the real reason that Seth Godin doesn't allow comments on oh. his blog. And he's been, he was the first mm -hmm. one to do that. And, and, and part of what he usually explains it as when he talks, and, and, part, and this is true also, he says it's my house and I don't really care about your opinion. <laughs> uh, he's Seth Godin. <laughs> but, but the real reason he doesn't allow comments on his post you see, he doesn't want to give you access to his millions of followers. Mm. Because the million, minute you post on his blog, you get seen by everybody that reads wow. his blog. So he doesn't want you building your brand on his wow. content. That's deep. So, but, there's a lot of pe but there's a lot of people that don't do that, which means, especially Forbes.com and Media Post and, and Business Insider, they all allow commenting. So get in there. And comment on other people, even if it's a little tiny comment, even if it's the same thing mm -hmm. all the time. You know, it could be something like, wow, I really loved your post, very insightful. Yeah. I mean, every time. I mean, but here's the other thing, and this, this comes from that. People say to me, I don't know what to write about, or I'm not really a writer. Now, I want to tell you something. I am not a writer at mm -hmm. all. When Twitter first came out, it was like manna from heaven. I could write 140 characters, and I got credit for, like, getting a right. thought across in only and then a mentor of mine, Dean Landsman, told me I had to, to have a blog. I'm like, oh, man, you mean i got to write more? You know, because it was hard for me. And I, I, over time, he said, listen, it's like, it's, like, it's like running or any kind of working out. It's like drinking. The more you do it, the better you get at it. 
um, up to a point. Um, but the more you write, the easier it gets. But you also, if you start watching for it, you learn yes. tricks. Now, one of my tricks is that I am not, I write for people. I get paid to write for a, a number of different companies. Um, but what I will never take is a gig where they give me an assignment. I do not take mm. assignments. I only take where I can write about anything I want because I can't just write about a mm -hmm. topic. It's just not mm -hmm. the kind of writer I am. I write about things I'm passionate about. I write about things that are on my mind. But the way most of my blog posts happen and the way your audience can do this, if, if it's something mm -hmm. that doesn't come natural to them, is I come, I go to blog, I read a lot of blogs and I get mm -hmm. fired up. Either I agree with them or right. I don't agree with them. And I write a comment. Hey, Michelle, love what you wrote. Employee advocacy is so important. And I start, and all of a sudden, it starts yeah. flowing, right? Because yeah. you're passionate. So I don't care who you are. You can be the worst writer when you have something to say about what somebody else wrote. Mm. You start going. So what I do is I save all those comments and I turn them into blog posts. That is smart. And, 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 and what I do is I'm not ready to write the blog post right now, so I, I realize, oh, my God, I just went off. I cut and paste it. I put it into an, in an email. On the subject of the email, I write blog post dash employee advocacy, uh, um, AT&T, and mm -hmm. it can wait, or whatever it happens to be. And then they pile up in, in my drafts so that when I'm ready to write a post, I go in and I have any number yeah. of them. And I pull one out, and either sometimes I just post exactly – sometimes – I That's all I write. That, yeah, what you I put a nice it. graphic with it, and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. And then sometimes I extend on it because I it, it got me. I, I'm I'm refired up, and I'll add a little bit more. But it's a great way to produce content. And by the way, stop worrying about writing 300 words, 400 words, a thousand words. Truth be told, look at Seth's right. blog. It's the most widely read marketing blog in the world because it's it's short. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got like. 20 windows opened up on my yeah. laptop with articles I go back mm -hmm. to. But I never have to go back to Seth's articles because they're short. I finish them and I leave. And if you write like that, you'd be surprised how many more people will read what you write. I have noticed even on LinkedIn that if something happens in the news, and I remember this, this one particular post, had to do with post Coachella and Beyonce and then not too long after that the Carters dropped their album surprise drop right and then they went on tour and I did a LinkedIn post that was just about what marketers could learn from the Carters and it was what literally three or four sentences and later on I did a whole article for Black Enterprise. It's kind of the same way. I kind of got inspired and then I went and wrote something. But that right. was the highest engaged LinkedIn post that I have ever done besides when Pepsi went off the rails with their... <laughs> and I just did a, a few lines and it, it usually is around some topic that people expect me to talk about, right? So I post that and let it fly. And then another thing I do is I'll take blog posts that are longer and I'll just take a paragraph of it and post it to Facebook without the blog post, just the content. You know, and then uh, here's another thing. Mm -hmm. Be good to people. 
So, you know, th this is something that's become part of my brand, but it also is part of what we're talking about here because if you give people things that are valuable to them, that help them, if you reach out and do for others without expectation or anything back in return, like if you, when people say, what can I do for you? And you go, I'm good. Like, you know, it, 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 first of all, they're a little taken aback. I think the minute you say that, you're going to go, well, you know, I would love to talk to at and <laughs> about... No, hold back on that urge and save it and just do something for the fact of doing it and smile more and offer people help and, and put out stuff that you think might be, yeah. might be useful to them. You'd be surprised. I mean, and then here's another thing. Stop worrying about how many likes and how many shares and all these other things you get because number one is many more people are seeing your content than are liking it Isn't or sharing true? it. Many people participate vicariously, and I got to tell you, I'll give it to you firsthand. Now, there's no reason to be embarrassed to comment on my stuff. A lot of people do, but I travel all over the country, all over the world, and I can't tell you that there's not one trip I take and not one event I go to where at least one person walks up to me and goes, oh, my God, that post you wrote, I never heard of them. I don't know who they are. They don't like me. They don't follow me. We're not connected, yes. but they're reading my content. So many more people are reading what you post than, than are your yeah. friends. And the people that are left, you know they were there because a lot of people like to stay quiet. So you don't know that they viewed your content until this they say This is a it. very important distinction because I think some people believe that the whole idea of building your personal brand veers into this social influencer type when they have totally yes. different concerns. Someone came to me and said, oh, okay, well, if you don't get uh, more than 15 likes on a piece of content, you need to delete that content. And I was like, why are they saying that? I probably will never push products on my Instagram. That's not why I have it. You know, you almost have to understand right. your why, right? If you understand your why, you don't fall for just about everything. That probably wouldn't make sense for someone who is trying to, you know, sell their engagement to try and push something for brands, but not for somebody who's just, you know, positioning themselves based on what they do. A hundred percent. And then another thing, and I've been trying to get this across to marketers at event after event. Um, what they're calling influencers, they're not influencers. They're media yeah. properties. They're buying yeah. media. Okay. I can count on these two hands the amount of true influencers in this country. Mm -hmm. Influencers. People that can say, go buy something, they buy it. The people that brands are hiring as influencers are not influencing oh, anybody. Boy. What, what they do, no, but what they do have yes. is reach. And they have people that read what they post. And, and their content is usually a lot more valuable than buying yes. an ad. But what you're, what you're buying is yes. media. You're not buying influence. You're buying their audience who says, hey, Michelle really publishes good mm -hmm. stuff, and she likes Tide. Well, I'm going to read her post about it because the author, she's going to tell me why right. she likes it, not just right. go buy it. And, and those people that they're hiring, I'm telling you, they, 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 I hear all these talk about influencers, and the word is just being misused. What they are, they're media, they're media they properties. Are. And by the way, like I said, very good, valuable media Absolutely. properties, many of them. But, but you're buying yes. media. So I had this conversation at least twice over about the word influencer with a couple of my guests and we have both in both situations come to the conclusion that the word influence is almost being 
misused in that context because really the definition is can you influence someone to do something right and that can be one-to-one -one. it can be in real life it could be so there are plenty of people who have incredible influence who may not even show up on your twitter feed and you know who the real influences are your neighbors yes. your friends your colleagues, everybody influences somebody. And truth be told, I don't. I would never buy something because a influencer. But I do get influenced. I'm totally, absolutely, completely available to be influenced. But I'm influenced by you. I'm influenced by John Andrews. I'm influenced by my my buddy Bruce Bearden. I'm influenced by by my buddy yes. Danny, who is a doctor and I want to buy dive equipment, I go to Danny. I don't go to someone online who's called a dive influencer. Right. I, well, I know around me who I Which trust. is like a full circle, um, you know, that's like looping back to what we were just saying about the power in the real estate that you have in your social capital. Understanding, and I put this in each of the tweets that I tweeted out this article, everybody's an influencer. Now you need to start acting like it. Everybody influences somebody. And also, the other side of that coin, recognize that you influence people and, and, and tread yes. lightly. Because, you know, you might be saying that, you know, you had a bad experience at a restaurant because the waiter had a bad day, and now you're telling your friends not right. to go there. When the restaurant might be fine, and what you really should be saying is, I had this horrible waiter, right? You know, mm -hmm. at this restaurant. But you have to remember that you do influence people, so remember to use that judiciously. Handle with care. <laughs> Absolutely. So you gave a couple of tips, maybe more than a couple, to companies that are thinking, okay, I want to engage employee advocacy. You know what? I respect my employees and their right to build their own personal brands. How can I arm them with great content to do both successfully? I got to tell you, I, I mean, I think it's incredibly easy. Uh, first of all, empower the people within your organization to find content that's valuable to other employees. So, look, it's easy to find the, the, the content that you think is important, okay? In other words, you know the content that you want people sharing, right? You know what you've published, what you've written. That's the easy part. So how do you find content that helps them build their audience? Well, you talk to them about, get to know your employees. What's important to them? How many employees? Look at your roster. Find content. Find out, do, you, do your employees like travel? What's important to them? What are, talk to them about who follows them. What are their friends like? Find and, and then mm -hmm. ask them, hey, could you start sharing content with us that you think would be valuable to other employees? You know, look, sourcing content is hard. Just like, look, I talk about at Photify, you know, I'm the CMO of Photify, as you mentioned, I work with John Andrews. And one of our things is companies are having this big challenge. Every event we go to, oh my God, content, we can't keep up with it. So why aren't your employees creating content for you? Why aren't your employees sourcing content for you? Well, this has been good. Um, any projects you're working on right now that we could find out about, follow you, 
buy a book. What well, else a couple on? things going on. So I, I've been working, you know, my business partner, John Andrews, joined a company called Photofire from CEO. He'd been on their advisory board for a few years, and he had involved me along the way. And, you know, we've got a great tool that the way I describe it is it's an easy-to-use Canva. Like a lot of people, like when I, every, I never used to use Canva. I had my assistant do stuff for me because it was just too complicated. So this is a, a, a photo tool that allows you to put branded assets so companies don't have to be worried that their, 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 their logo won't be done correctly. And it allows you to empower employees and customers to create content for you at scale. So that's one thing I'm doing. You, you know, stuff with John Andrews. And the two of us are also writing a book. Um, it's my fourth book. It's his first. Uh, John will have kind of the lead on this one because it's something he's really passionate about. It's called Retail Relevancy. And John is what we call a retail geek. John like goes to stores just because he likes to experience like what's happening there and to learn. And he's always dragging me. Like, he's dragging me into like these stores. I'm like, dude, what are we doing here? Man, I just want to see what they're doing. It's really cool. North Face has like tents in it where you can experience how cold it is on top of Mount Everest. It's really kind of cool. So let's check it out. So, so we're writing a book about where retail's going, how it's changing, and how it's evolving. It's called Retail Relevancy. Where um, I, I right now I'd say it's doubtful, but we are hoping to have it out in January. Okay. Ted, you are such an incredible friend, and I appreciate all your sage wisdom. And I'm glad that I was able to share it with my listeners. Guys, TedRuman.com. Thank you, Michelle. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.